You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kivilevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. I rushed over to my producer's home because I wanted to get this story really well and good and crisp in the studio, but it's still really burning in my head. Um, and it really underlies the fact how bound up we are and how Torah really binds us. I know that sounds really kitschy and very preachy, but it really is true. And, you know, we've all been talking about how the dynamic politically has changed between the state of Israel and, and Hamas and what's happening in the world. And people have told you stories of, uh, of Israel's resolve, as I have here on this platform. But this morning, something happened that really wrapped things up for me. Um, it, it showed me a side of human beings that was so benevolent and beautiful. Well, here's how it happened. Well, first of all, you have to understand that besides being this podcasting fellow, uh, I also work for an outfit called Deershu. Deershu, of course, is a Torah learning program uh, for adults, children, uh, and it's a program that has really helped uh, thousands of people here in Eretz Yisrael, tens of thousands, and throughout the world, but especially in Eretz Yisrael, because the Israeli young men, children, adults, grandparents, they take the Deershu tests that uh, allow them to earn money. And not just to be given, you know, a handout, but actually to learn and master uh, material. So I work for I work for them. That's from David Hofstetter, and he deserves a tremendous amount of credit. He's funded uh, through his companies out of Toronto and other places millions and millions of dollars. Well, one of the programs that he has is the what he calls Dafiomi Baalocha, which is learning Mishnah Bura every day. And we've gone through a number of cycles and it has really, in many ways, enhanced the relevance of a book that some people find difficult, but they have, they've come out with an edition, uh, with a, that's already had a number of reprints already with additional notes that have made the Mishnah Bura accessible to so many people. Well, you need to know this because this is one of the things I do. Every single day since 2000 and November 2011, I have been giving shear in Mishnabura. And I haven't missed one day since then, no matter where I am, where, whether, wherever I'm traveling. Sometimes somebody fills in for me, but when I'm here in Eretz Yisrael, I make sure to have a Mishnabura shear. I create it. So in the Leonardo Plaza Hotel, that was basically up until now staffed with refugee Americans. These refugee Americans were all pretty much worried about, are they going to get the flights out? Where are they going to go? Are they going to Dubai? Are they going to Cyprus? Are they going to Egypt? How are they getting out? And the, I have to tell you, again, without speaking bad against Americans, there was a sort of a rigidity among everyone, even though the food is being piled on and breakfast in a beautiful way. And it, it's, it's, there's a lavish ambiance to the whole hotel. All the Americans are somehow uptight. Maybe they're uptight because they're leaving the country. Maybe they should want to stay. But as it was, I hadn't really connected so well with the Americans. But as I come to davening, I realize I got to give a sheer. So after davening, whoever shows up there, uh, I announce in English, in Hebrew, in Yiddish, does anybody want to come and learn? I could have learned for 15 minutes. Come, we can learn together. And I make sure that there's farm already. Well, today, I happen to give the same. I gave the announcement. And these very, these clearly, these kids that could look like they came out of Yemen from the 19th century came by. Of course, they were dressed more in the modern yeshiva clothes, but with very long payas and, and, and the beautiful swarthy skin that is the indicators of a Yemenite lineage. 
And they all sat down next to me. Well, this year was going to have to be in Ivrit. So I sat down with three or four of them, and we were all learning together, learning the laws of Kriyas HaTorah. Yeah, for dear shoe people who know I'm behind. Yeah, okay, uh, apologies. But Hilchas Kriyas HaTorah. And what does it mean when you have a tzibur? That's what we were learning about. What does it mean when you have 10 people for Kriyas HaTorah? What about if people leave in the middle? What about if people are called out? Can you still go on with Kriyas HaTorah? When does it start? Does it start with the Borahu? Does it start with the first Brocha? And we were reading and learning the notes. The kids were challenging me. Every single one was taking part in it. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience. There was an American guy, by the way, a lawyer who I had met also on the seventh floor with me, who wanted to join, but he said, hey, when you when you started doing that Ivrit, I had to tune out. Well, after the learning, uh, I know the kids were smelling the beautiful breakfast that was waiting for them, and we stopped. But I saw there was a fellow watching me, and it's it was clear in a minute that this was the father of these children. I went over to him, and I I spoke with him and I said, oh, you know, and again, in Hebrew, I said, well, did, did you hear? He says, yeah, yes. I said, you should have joined us. Wouldn't it have been great to have the father? He says, well, I had uh, my own learning I had to do, but I heard, I heard. I said, well, was it good? Yeah. He says, oh, it was great. Mitzian. And I, I felt so good. But then, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, you, what brings you here? You're not an American guy who's just looking to get out of Eretz Israel. And he tells me that uh, he comes from a city called Netivot. Netivot is not that far from Gaza. In fact, it's so close that he told me that his house was hit. His house was hit by a rocket on Shabbos Shminyatzeris. And he explains to me that he's actually a Rav, a Rav of a base Knesset that's built in his basement, which is also the Mamad. And that's where everyone was. They're all in the special basement he had built. And the rocket came and it knocked the two top floors of his home, destroying his kitchen destroying other rooms. And and I'm speaking to him, and he's telling me that, yes, he says, I, I said, what's going on? I said, you, you're here. He said, Baruch Hashem, nobody was killed. No one was hurt. His brother, who lived down the street, a piece of shrapnel embedded itself in his, in its, in his leg, and he's being treated in a hospital somewhere in the South. But when I was talking to him, I asked him, I said, well, I said, how is it that you come here? And he told me that the security securities of Eretz Yisrael wouldn't let him stay in his house, of course. It was dangerous. And they forced him because they wanted to do some sort of forensic studies of the house of the rocket. He was out of his house, but the Ayara of Netivot paid for him and his family to be brought to Yerushalayim, to be given nine rooms in the Plaza Hotel. He has 16 children. And not only does he have 16 children, three or four of them are married with their wives. And they're all there being paid for by Eretz Yisrael, understanding what they need. In fact, uh, he introduced me to his neighbor, his neighbor uh, who, whose house was even was hit in even a more incredible fashion, was totally bl- blasted to the point that it was impossible for, for it to be inhabited. I asked the neighbor, that he introduced me to. What was his story? And the neighbor said to me, I'll tell you. He says, this tells you what the Pasuk says, that if a person fulfills He said, I lived right next down the block from this Rav. Yes, but I wasn't there. I was four blocks over. Why? My parents were begging me to come for the Chag. My wife was resistant. She wanted to be here. We have a big family. We wanted to stay here. 
We asked them to come to us. But my mother said, please, I'd like to make the yomta for you. I'd like to make the chag for you. I love the grandchildren. Maybe let me come to you. His wife said, okay, let's go. Of course, because of that, he discovered after the chag that his house, had he stayed, had he brought his parents there, he would have been, he would have been one of the korbonis. And he said to me, this again shows you how keep it ave can keep you alive. I turned to him and I said, but what happened? Where's all your belongings? He said, the city connected us to an institution that brought us to a room full of clothes, clothes of all different shapes and sizes. And all of my my children, we all picked out different shirts, jackets, hats, shoes. Mikamcha Yisrael. Well, that's that's just part of the story. Here, here's where it gets personal. So I asked the first one, the rabbi, I said, this is incredible. I said, what is your name? Tell me. He says, uh, my name is Bar Yochai. Thinking, well, I guess he must, <laughs> what a name for, for, a mir- for a miraculous person. I said, is that your first name or your last name? No, he says, my last name is Chadbash. My first name is Bar Yochai. Bar Yochai Chadbash. And something immediately went off in my head. Because my daughter-in-law, my son's wife, although her last name is Yoshua, her, her mother's maiden name is Chadbash. And I said, are you related to Efrat, my daughter-in-law? <laughs> and Sippy, her mother, oh, she's, she's my aunt, Idodajali. So it turned out that not only did I have these wonderful, temani, beautiful children to learn Torah with and to challenge me, but they were actually almost like my family. In fact, what happened was is that uh, as I joined them, in the lavish dining room, I, I brought my phone out and I was able to connect Bar Yochai Chadbash and his 1920 person entourage with my daughter-in-law, his first cousin. And my grandchildren were able to see their cousins as the phone was being passed around. They didn't have a, they didn't have a, a, a they don't, didn't have the iPhone with that type of imagery. I gave them the phone and I said, look, <laughs> My room is 702. Bring back the phone when, when you need to. And they were able to tell the story, tell the story to their cousins, tell the story of how, not only how they were saved, not only how Kashkacha uh, Protis, but also how the great chesed of the community, the chesed of Natibot, the chesed of the Plaza Hotel, the chesed really of Klau Yisrael. And I wouldn't have discovered any of that <laughs> unless I had to give a sheer. The Torah ties the bind, indeed. We'll catch you next time. Take care, everybody. Be well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please take a moment to share this or any of the many episodes available on our platform with friends in order to help grow our community. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.